Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Word of God for the people of God. There was a young man in Sudan, caught up in the middle of a conflict, captured by an enemy. Then his knees and feet were nailed to a board, and he was left there to die. But he was rescued, and when he had been released, he said, I forgive the men who did this to me, because Jesus was nailed to a board and forgave. There was a Christian pastor in Vietnam arrested and jailed for his activities as a Christian. He was sentenced to two years in prison, but only after a few months he was offered early release. He refused. Only later was it revealed when he said why he stayed. He said, I had already developed a group of new believers, and I felt I must stay to disciple them. There was a Christian missionary in Colombia captured by some guerrillas warring against the government told she only had two hours to live. She said, if I only have two hours to live, I would like to tell you about Jesus. I would like to tell you about Jesus. I'm impressed with that kind of commitment. When I read those stories of Christians from other parts of the world, I am impressed by their commitment. I'm inspired by their deep devotion to Christ and their clear commitment to live or die for Christ. I think they are all in. I'm going to be speaking about being all in Christians this whole month, I think those three were all in. The image comes from this World Series of Poker that you can see on TV. Now, I'm not promoting gambling, but I have watched a few times, and it gets my attention when they play a hand of cards for tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, and sometimes one of them will push all of their chips to the center of the table and say, I'm all in. They are betting that they are right. They are taking a risk like few of us are willing to do. They are committing all that they have that they are making the right decision, that they are in the right place at the right time, and the right card is going to flip over for them. I would never risk that kind of money on that kind of game, but they are bold 
And I do think there's something we can learn about our own faith from that kind of boldness. The sermon series all this month is I'm All In. I raised a couple of questions for us to consider this month in the sermon last week. I put them in your outline again today to remind you. Is there anything on which you would bet everything? Is your faith in Christ even that sure? Oh, most of us will never have to face situations like those first three vignettes I shared with you that are true stories of some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we all have our own challenges to face. We all have our own decisions to make as we go through our lives about how we're going to live and how we're going to express our faith in that living. Let me tell you a very different story about a woman who I think was all in and yet a very different circumstance. This woman awoke one morning, looked into the mirror, noticed she had only three hairs left on her head. She thought about it for a moment, and then she said, I think I'll wear my hair in a braid today. And she had a wonderful day. The next morning she awoke, looked in the mirror again, only two hairs left on her head. She mused about it a moment and said, I believe I'll part my hair down the middle today. And she had a fine day. The next day she awoke, looked in the mirror, only one hair left on her head. I think I'll wear my hair in a ponytail today. And she had a grand day. She awoke again the next morning. No hair left on her head She exclaimed, yay, I don't have to fix my hair today. (laughs) I think she was all in in a very different way. I think the ability to face all of life's circumstances, even the unpleasant, even the negative, even the frustrating, maybe even the debilitating circumstances of life comes from people who have a faith in something bigger than themselves. Of course, for us, that is Jesus Christ. For Christians, our faith is in Jesus Christ, that God has come into this world through this person, Jesus, to do something big. We're a part of it, but it's bigger than you or me. I think Paul, St. Paul, who wrote over half the letters in the Christian scriptures, understood that. In one of his letters... He wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Later in the same letter, he said, I have learned to be content in all circumstances because I'm a Christ follower. And Paul lived in lots of different circumstances. If you read through his letters, sometimes were really good, sometimes were really terrible. He says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances Not because of the circumstances, but because I follow Christ. I was in a workshop a few years ago. It was a workshop on healthy churches. But the speaker brought up an interesting point about Paul that I had never thought of before. He said that he thought we could understand Paul by looking at when he wrote these different letters. He thought we could see 
how Paul matured as we explored his self-descriptions in his letters. He says in one of Paul's earliest letters that he wrote that he was an apostle with an exclamation mark. Then he says in a letter that came a little bit later, Paul describes himself as least among the apostles. Then in a letter written a little later, Paul describes himself as a servant. And then in what we think is one of his very last letters, he describes himself as chief among sinners. Just because we're all in, and I think Paul was, doesn't mean we're at the pinnacle, doesn't mean we're better than everybody else, doesn't mean that we have arrived, but only that we have committed and we have opened ourselves and our lives to doing the will of God wherever we find ourselves. I think Paul really understood that. Are you all in? Are you ready to be one who's still growing in Christ in this new year? To open your life to where God might lead you? To be all in, we need to be sure to take that first step, which is to commit. There's that internal component of deciding to do so, and also the external component. Matthew today describes for us Jesus taking that step. He describes that external step of where Jesus went to the Jordan River where John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing and says to John, I'm ready, I need to be baptized. John protests and said, oh no, I'm not the one to baptize you. But Jesus says, well, it is the will of God. Listen to how Matthew describes it in verse 15. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God to make sure our lives are lined up with God's will. Jesus says we need to do this because it's God's will. John, even if you don't want to, maybe not my idea either, but I think God wants us to do this. And so John says, okay, and baptizes Jesus. And then Matthew goes on to say, right after Jesus had been baptized and he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then in verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I think this is a very early sign that Jesus is yielding his will to God's will. And he invites John to do the same, and John concurs. I would like to suggest to you this morning that God wanted this for Jesus and John, but, John, but God also wants this for us. Wants us to make a step of faith, to make a commitment, to receive the waters of baptism, and in fact, to even sense or hear God saying to us, You are my beloved. God wants to bless us. God wants to live in us, to guide us, to lead us, to show us the way to life and life abundant. 
That's what our scriptures say when we make that commitment, when we receive that baptism, when we begin to walk that life of faith, that we'll be blessed and experience abundant life and eternal life. That's the promise of the gospel. It happens when we yield our life and our will to God's life and God's will. I had the privilege of reading a letter from one of our members, wrote it to another staff person within the last few days. She was describing her experience with this church while she's been battling a life-threatening illness. She details in the letter what people of this church have done for her. She said that so many people rallied around her that they took special interest in supporting her, that others took special interest in some of her family members and tended to their needs. Some came and provided transportation, some in town, some even out of town. She said there was a group of people that committed to bringing a meal to her home three times a week for as long as she was in therapy, and it ended up being nearly a year and she says they were faithful in that commitment. She said others came over and did some small home repairs and even painted some walls. Others came and took care of the yard and the bushes and did some deferred outside maintenance. She said others sent her letters and cards and words of encouragement. She said she was really surprised. Some of them she did not even know, but in their note they said... I heard of your circumstance and I wanted to encourage you or I wanted to pray for you or I wanted you to know we're thinking of you. Others prayed for her and her family, prayed with her and her family, and she said it made all the difference. I want to read you just a few sentences from the end of the letter that she wrote. She says this, It is strengthening to help. It is a blessing to help. I had to need help beyond what I could do for myself before I could allow others to help me. It's been a great learning. But the big message here is that our church rocks in the way it helps. As churches go, this church does so much to create people who are willing to help and giving them opportunities to help, and it creates cheerful givers. Not only that, but the people of Boston Avenue don't just slap a Band-Aid on it and run. They come back over and over again for as long as it takes. I thought that was a marvelous example of being all in. Of a group of you, of numbers of you who are committed to show and express your love of God in your everyday lives. To see and seize upon an opportunity to serve another, to surround someone else with the love of God. It's real faith being lived out in real life, in ordinary ways, day to day. And yet it has some extraordinary outcomes when we're doing such a thing i think it is christians at their best when they've experienced the love of god and then they look for those opportunities to share the love of god with someone else who is in need being all in 
may lead to extraordinary sacrifices for the faith. But more often than not, for us, it will look like a daily commitment to Christ. It will look like a daily commitment to open our hearts and minds to the will of a God, to let God's love and God's will flow through our lives, to be those who embody the love of God in all that we say and do. John Wesley, who's the founder of Methodism back in the 1700s, tried to describe what this looked like. He wrote a little piece called The Character of a Methodist. What the character looks like once someone's made the commitment. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, although it's very good. I'm going to read you, though, a few statements of how Wesley described what this commitment looks like, what our character looks like when we make the commitment. He says, a Methodist is one who loves the Lord God with all the heart, with all the soul, with all the mind, and with all the strength. Methodists are always rejoicing. A Methodist is happy in God because God is filling the soul with joy and peace. Methodists pray without ceasing. The loving eye of the soul is set on Christ and seeing God who is invisible everywhere. Methodists love God and love others as self. Methodists have put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. All desire is for God and for living as one who bears God's name. Accordingly, this one desire is the one purpose of a Methodist life. To do not his or her own will, but the will of God. A Methodist lives by God's commandments in that God has set the heart free it is God's glory and joy to do this. It is the Methodist joy every day to do the will of God on earth as it is done in heaven. I think that's a good description of an all-in Christian. I hope it is a fit description of a Boston Avenue United Methodist. But you could substitute the word Christian in the place of Wesley's Methodist and it would still be an accurate description of what God calls us to when we make the commitment to be a follower of Christ, to identify ourselves as one who's going to follow Jesus Christ, to let God shape and form and mold our lives so that we ever more look like the image of Christ. Are you there? Are you all in? Are you ready to be all in as a follower of Jesus Christ in this new year? I put a few questions in your outline because I think it's so important for us to think about this and assess where we are from time to time. And the new year is a great time to do that. Where do I need to grow? Where does God want me to grow? Where am I missing out? What do I need to do to be all in? Lots of people make resolutions this time of year. Lots of time as we change the calendar, we're thinking, what's going to happen in this year? Did you put anything about Christian growth on your list? 
Did you think about that? If you're one who writes goals, do you have some goals about your Christian life written into your goals for 2014? It makes a difference in terms of how it's going to turn out. If you've never before professed your faith and you can be like Jesus and come forward, profess your faith and receive the waters of baptism. But even if you've done that, you're not done. You've only just begun. Oh, you have the whole rest of your life for God to work within you and around you and through you. Blessings of God are there in the future for you if you're ready to yield your will to God's will. I hope you'll really think about this in the next few days. I would love it if you would make it a matter of prayer. And if you have a prayer list, put it on there. Where is God leading me? What do I need to do to be all in, to deepen my commitment? If you'll work on that the next few days and then come here again next Sunday, I'll be ready to talk more about some very practical ways we can take the next step in our faith journey. I hope you'll plan to be here. I hope you'll pray about it all week. And then I will see you next Sunday morning. Amen. And thanks be to God.